Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. starting a new teaching series today called Know What I Like About Jesus. And for the next, probably next couple months, I am just going to talk about things that I like about Jesus. My favorite topic in the whole world. Uh, and, uh, and such a good place uh, to invite people to if people are not involved in the world of the church and maybe not sure about what the faith is all about. This is the foundation. We're going to talk about the Lord of all creation, the God who created the earth and walked on the earth among us so that we could see who he was. Uh, and this is a great season in which to invite people into our church life because this is such a foundational series. And whether you've been following Jesus all your life or really don't know his story at all, this is a great place uh, to dive in. Um, so uh, uh, keep passing uh, the invitations out and, uh, and don't forget that um, there's always more to learn about him. Uh, if, if you invite somebody, say, hey, we're... we're studying Jesus at church, and they say, yeah, I already know the story. You can say, well, I'm still learning stuff about him. How is it that you know it all already? Uh, so uh, so this will be a good, good season together through the course of the next two, three months. Um, you know what I like about Jesus? Uh, I like that if we have any questions at all about who God is, we see God clearly in Jesus, if you ever worried about how you stand with God, look into the eyes of Jesus. Look at the God who loves you, whom we see fully and clearly in Jesus of Nazareth. That's the first thing that I love about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you didn't leave us alone down here to take guesses at you, to wonder at who you are, to stumble through this life making up religion, but instead you came down here and walked uh, among us so that we could have relationship, so that we could know you and talk to you and, and see you and follow you. Uh, and I ask more and more in the hearts of every single person in our church, every single person watching online, that you would become more and more clear to us, that we would hear your voice, and that we would, we would know your leading, that we'd know your, your character and your personality. Jesus, help us to draw close to you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Okay. Imagine uh, that you are called to the vice principal's office. You're sitting in class one day and a very serious looking adult walks in and gives you a note that says you are summoned to the vice principal's office. Or if you're in college, you're, you're being called to a dean's office. The first, thing, the first thing that goes through your head says everything about who you are. Because there are a few people out there that would get that note and go, oh, must be an award being given out. Because <laughs> you know who deserves an award, yours truly. But most of us would get a note like that, would get a call like that and think, what did I do wrong? Why, why, am, I, 
Why am I being called in? And then in your mind, you start to go through the list of all the things they might think that you did wrong or the list of things that you know you did wrong and try to figure out which one do they know about. At the office, hearing, hey, the boss wants to see you, it's, it's not always a comforting thing to hear. We start to catalog what, what we might be called in for. Uh, and when that happens, um, uh, I, I can't tell you uh, how, how deeply that goes in our identity. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I, as a pastor, have called people on the phone and said, hey, I wanted to talk to you. And there's a, a long silence on the other end of the line, and the person goes, why? Or sometimes they'll even say, what did I do wrong? And, and I'll say, wait, you tell me. You wouldn't have asked that question if there wasn't something to tell. Tell me what you did wrong. God knows. <laughs> right? Um, it occurs to me that if you get summoned to the vice principal's office, the only way that's not scary is if either you are completely innocent, you have done nothing wrong, there's nothing for which you could get in trouble, or two, the vice principal is your best friend. Those are the options. Open with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, and let's begin looking at the story of Jesus with his baptism. Matthew chapter 3 at verse 13. Listen to the word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, that's the river, to be baptized by John. This is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, who is out in the wilderness baptizing people. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Let's, uh, let's look at what baptism is. There is never a moment in the Bible in which God creates and commands baptism. There are all kinds of washing rituals in the Old Testament in which the priests have to sprinkle themselves before they can go in the temple and serve, or the different ways that they wash their, their dishware. But there's never a moment where God says, I'm going to start this thing called baptism. Baptism pops up in the Bible when John the Baptist is seen practicing it out in the Jordan River. And John here stands in the line of the Hebrew prophets who used symbolic behavior to teach truth. They used a kind of performance art to teach truth. So if you go back and look at the Hebrew prophets, they did this kind of thing all the time. They would lie down in the street for a year or smash a pot in the middle of a public square. Or There's a, a moment where uh, Ezekiel shaves off his beard and burns it and tells Israel, if you don't shape up, you're going to get scorched. John is carrying out an act to symbolize the fact that the people need to turn around from the wrong direction they've been going in and wash off and head towards something more pure. It's a symbolic act that most likely John himself made up. Uh, we've added all kinds of rules to baptism that were never intended to be there in the first place. I mean, imagine if we treated the story about Ezekiel burning his beard the way we treat baptism. We'd come up with all kinds of rules about it. Only true believers can burn their beards, not just visitors to the church. You have to go through the new members class before you can burn your beard. Right? It'd be ridiculous the kinds of rules we'd come up with surrounding this piece of performance art that a prophet did to teach truth. And here we've done exactly that to baptism. Can it be sprinkling or does it have to be dunking? Can it be a baby or do you have to be an adult? Uh, can, you do it, can you do it more than once or is it only one time? We've created all kinds of rules that were never supposed to be there in the first place. Baptism was a, a, a performance, an act that symbolized what God was communicating to his people. You have gone in the wrong direction and 
dirtied yourself, you need to wash yourself and turn back in the right direction. That's what baptism is all about. When you go from working on the car to having dinner, you wash your hands because you have been using your hands for something that dirtied you and you are about to use your hands for something for which they need to be cleaned. In baptism, we capture the truth that when we have been pursuing sin and selfishness, we have dirtied our souls. And in order to follow God, we need to turn around and our souls need to be cleaned. That's where baptism comes from. That's what baptism is all about. Verse 15, uh, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So John has said, look, Jesus, this, this symbol that I'm using, the symbol that I made up, it's to symbolize the fact that people who are going in the wrong direction need to clean off and head in the right direction. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one of God. You're already heading in the right direction. You don't need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let's do this to, quote, fulfill all righteousness. Now that phrase, fulfill all righteousness, doesn't exist anywhere else in the Bible. Matthew uses the term fulfill, the Greek term that he's using here, fulfill, to talk about Old Testament prophecies that are coming true in the life of Jesus. And he talks about righteousness, which is a phrase he, a word he uses all the time. Uh, he talks about righteousness uh, to, to mean obeying God. So, so when Jesus says, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness, he is probably referring to the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies by being obedient. One of the most clear prophecies of the Messiah is in Isaiah 53. And it says that the Messiah will be numbered among the transgressors and will, bury, will bear the sins of many. So by being baptized, perhaps Jesus is obediently fulfilling the prophecy that he would be numbered among the transgressors, numbered among those who needed to be washed and turn around. And he would bear the sins of many. He didn't need to be baptized but he makes a pathway for us to be baptized. He bore our sins when he went to the cross, and now we can be baptized to join him in his innocence. Uh, verse 16, and this is my favorite part of this whole text, this whole event of Jesus baptized. Look at this, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The first time a dove appears in the Bible is in the story of Noah. Now remember the story of Noah. The people on the earth were doing evil things. They were practicing things like child sacrifice. It had become a, a horrible thing. And God sends the flood to wipe the slate clean. He only saves Noah and Noah's family. He, said, he tells Noah, he warns him, there's going to be rain for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to start over. The people deserve to be washed away because of the evil and terrible things they're doing. So Noah builds the ark, puts the animals on the ark, and he floats on the water for those 40 days. After a period of time, Noah sends out a dove. And eventually the dove comes back with a branch to signify that there is now solid ground on which to stand. Get this. In the event of Jesus 
baptism. Jesus arises up out of the water and a dove comes and lands on the solid ground. The ground on which we can stand to escape the flood wiping away a sinful humanity. Get this, when we are baptized and we arise up out of the waters, we signify the fact that we have found the solid ground to stand on, Jesus Christ. And when we stand on that solid ground, we no longer deserve the punishment of the floodwaters because we are no longer sinful. When we believe in Jesus, when we believe that he died for us on the cross, our sins are washed away. And the flood that was sent to punish an evil humanity can no longer affect us because we are no longer sinful. We are made new in Jesus. We are innocent in Jesus because of his cross. We now stand on the solid ground of Jesus and the floodwaters pass around us. Jesus' baptism recalls the story of Noah in which the people again find solid ground on which to begin new life. When you believe in Jesus, you have found solid ground to stand on. A solid ground that says, I am not going to live for sin and brokenness. I am going to be washed and turn around and live a new life in him. If you've never done that before, if you've never made that decision before, make it today. Say, I don't, I don't want to be washed away. I don't want to live a broken life. I don't want to live selfishly and sinfully. I want to turn around. And be made pure by him so that I can live a new life in him, standing on solid ground, the solid ground that is Jesus Christ. That's my favorite part of this whole passage. Verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer of the, uh, of the uh, 16th century, uh, says that uh, he wrote a sermon on actually this passage uh, itself uh, in 1534 or something like that. He wrote a sermon on this, uh, and I read his sermon on this, this passage. And he says, uh, look, Jesus' baptism, in Jesus' baptism, the important thing is not the water. Uh, everybody knows that it's, it's not the water. He says, even my dog, this is Luther, the great reformer, even my dog knows that it's not about the water. And he says, my dog Tolpel, and the German, Tolpel is the German word for blockhead. Like he named his dog Blockhead. He goes, Jesus' baptism isn't about the water. Even Blockhead knows that. And the dog's like, hmm. Um, he says, that's not the important part of the passage. The important part of the passage is that God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. If, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God's son, the, the son of the father. You don't see a clearer vision of God than you do in Jesus. You don't have to spend your life wondering at what God is like. You don't have to spend your life wondering how God feels about you. Look at Jesus. God is pleased with who Jesus is, and Jesus absolutely loves you. He lived a life of love. He died for you. He is longing to be reconciled to you. He wants us to turn around and go chasing after him. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Luther says that's the point of this passage, that Jesus is the clearest vision of God we'll ever get. If you get called to the vice principal's office, there are three options. Either you're in trouble, 
you're absolutely innocent and there's nothing that you could be in trouble for, or the vice principal is your best friend. When God calls your name, there are three options. Either you're in trouble, you're absolutely innocent because you've never done anything wrong. It's not me. Or God is your best friend. The baptism of Jesus answers this question. This is the promise of the text. When humanity saw God face to face, he came in the form of the one who loves us, the one who came to forgive sins, the one who so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whenever we believe in him, we stand not condemned but forgiven. He longs not to condemn the world but to save the world. When we look at Jesus, we see God. And when we look at Jesus, we see the God who loves us. God is love, and God is for us. Make that decision today. If you've never made it before, look at who Jesus is. That will tell you who God is. That will tell you where you stand with him. And those who believe that Jesus died for them on the cross are forgiven through that cross. Um, I often wonder <clears throat> about the... Uh, the Hollywood portrayals of Jesus, the different movies that show us uh, an image of Jesus. There have been numerous movies about Jesus throughout history, and I've always wondered at where the directors get their sense for who Jesus is or was. Um, there's a great uh, series out right now that uh, you can watch on YouTube and elsewhere uh, called The Chosen, and it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, imaginative telling of the backstory of some of the disciples of Jesus and the people that Jesus met. So, so some of the Bible stories are, are in the text, but you get all this backstory that the, the director and the writers have creatively imagined that's actually, it's actually really good. And I love the portrayal of Jesus that you see in The Chosen because it's the first time I've seen a, a video presentation of Jesus that does not make him look like a, a depressed resident of London with an iron deficiency. It's the first time I've seen a Jesus who smiles and who laughs and who seems warm-hearted and who seems actually eager to love people and to save them. I think it's truer to the biblical story than most of the portrayals of Jesus I've seen out there. And it's, it's fiction. It, it tells backstories that we don't have in the biblical text. It imagines what the stories of the disciples were like and the people that Jesus encountered were like. But it's, it's done beautifully well. If you haven't watched it, you, you might want to tune into that uh, because it captures for us the fact that in Jesus, we see God. And in Jesus, we see the God who loves us and who is eager, eager to be in relationship for us. The God who died for us and wants us to be his best friend. I remember meeting a, a guy several years ago who had been in the military. Uh, he had returned from uh, serving uh, overseas and um, um, he, was, he was in um, hard shape because... Um, uh, he had he had um, killed people in war, and he said uh, he said Pastor Jim, I didn't I didn't do it just because it was my duty, uh, and I didn't do it just you know to protect my country, I did it because I hated them. I did it because I I hated them, and I and I'm I don't know how to get over the guilt I feel about that. 
And that guy had a better sense for the situation of humanity than most people out there. At our core, without God, we're not good. At our core, without God, we are absolutely capable of hating each other. And I told him, look, this is what the cross was for. We, we didn't earn it, and we don't deserve it. But if ever you feel even a twinge of guilt, remember the cross. Jesus died for you. And if you believe in him, your sins are gone. Your sins have been washed away in the floodwaters, and you stand on the solid ground that is Jesus Christ. You are absolutely forgiven. Not only that, it's better than that. He calls you his friend. If you believe in Jesus, when you're called to the vice principal's office, it's so that he can tell you that he loves you again. And that's it. I've learned a lot um, more about uh, prayer in the course of the last year than probably I ever have in my entire life. Uh, God was not uh, on quarantine this last year. God was on the move. And um, uh, as I've pursued prayer and studied prayer, um, it's, helped me, uh, it's helped me to see how God sees us. Because when you pray for someone, the, the intuition behind prayer is, God, show me how you see this person. Tell me what you want this person to hear. And what God always wants to say is tell this person how much I love them. Tell this person how much they are loved. I want this person to know no matter what's happened to them, no matter what experiences they've had with church, no matter who they've hurt, tell them I love them. I want them to know how much I love them. And so I've had these beautiful experiences of prayer where I get to pray for somebody else and just pour out God's love for them. Um, and it's so powerful when God speaks through our prayers for one another. Uh, and I had an experience again a couple weeks ago where I was at a, a prayer meeting. And the way it was set up was there were about 30 of us on the prayer team. And we broke up into little groups of three. So there were three of us praying for people. And people who wanted to, to be prayed for had called in and scheduled an appointment. So they showed up in waves throughout the evening. And they would fan out to the different groups. So each group of three People praying would pray for one person at a time. It actually took several hours. We prayed for a lot of people that night. And there was a moment where uh, I was sitting with two other women who were, we were praying together, and a woman came up and sat down to be prayed for. And right as she walked up, I felt this sort of, this intuition in my, in my heart that said, tell her that she's not a clown. And I thought, what? She, she was maybe 30 years old. She was dressed professionally. She looked like she had her life together. She certainly didn't look like she was wrestling with self-esteem issues. And so I thought to myself, I am absolutely not going to say that. That is a weird thing to say. Why would I even think that? The first woman prayed for her. It was a beautiful, eloquent prayer. She prayed about how much God loved her, how much God wanted to bless her. It was beautiful. It was well stated. The, the woman who was being prayed for, you could see got little, little tears in her eyes. It was, it was a beautiful prayer. The second woman prayed for her, prayed about how God had gifted her, how she was a patient person, how God loved what he was doing in her. It was a beautiful prayer. It was a prayer that was said by a mature adult who knew what they were talking about. And then it came to me. And I looked at this woman, and I went, God says you're not a clown. 
and he takes you seriously. And she burst out laughing. And I thought, oh, okay, so it was a stupid thing to say, and now where is the nearest cave that I can crawl in and die because I can't believe I said that? And she goes, no, 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 the clown thing is exactly right. She says, I, I, I started a production company in Hollywood. I work in, in entertainment uh, in Hollywood, and it's a Christian production agency, which is it's hard enough on its own. And recently, we've created this series that we're about to launch. I've just finally gotten a grant for it, and the series is all about clowns. It's about clowns who become superheroes. And she referenced, she referenced Batman. She said, you know how in Batman the Joker is a clown and his girlfriend is a clown? And I sat there thinking to myself, I am a mature adult. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, she, goes, she goes, it's all about clowns. And you would not believe how many times in this process people have looked at me and said, no one is going to take you seriously. And I said to her, well, again, God says you're not a clown. He absolutely takes you seriously, and he takes seriously the ministry that you're doing. And it's so amazing when God speaks through our prayers, and you get to see what God actually thinks of people, what God actually wants to communicate to people. Because we worship a God who loves us. You know what I like about Jesus? It's the fact that he is the God who loves us, the God who's for us, the God who wants to redeem us, who doesn't look at the brokenness of our past and wants to shame us. He wants to save us from the floodwaters. He wants us to stand on the solid ground, which is him, and believe that he died for us, and discover that we are forgiven, and walk towards new life and away from brokenness. Jesus wants to do that for you. Jesus wants to do that for the people that you love. He wants to speak through you as you pray for them to bless them and call them to the God who loves them. Jesus wants you to be his friend. When God calls your name, there are three options. One, you're in trouble. And if you reject Jesus and go through life without him, you deserve the consequences of your brokenness. But two, could be that you're completely innocent, never done anything wrong. That's not me. Or three, could be that God is your best friend. And when he's your best friend, he makes you completely innocent. There's nothing that you're guilty of. There's nothing that you're responsible for because he has forgiven it and made you new. Through the course of this coming series, let's turn our hearts towards the God whom we see clearly in Jesus Christ, the God who loves us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you are the solid ground on which we can stand. I thank you that the floodwaters that we would have deserved without you are passing by on either side of us because we can stand on you. Jesus, if there's anybody out there who worries about standing in front of you, if there's anybody out there who wrestles with guilt, we invite you into our lives. We accept you as our Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Now come into our lives and be our Lord. Guide us and lead us away from brokenness and towards new life. Teach us to live in you. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you again soon.
Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.